want to thank you all again for coming out this morning. We're glad we're glad that you are here. Again, uh, hoping soon to get back to to where we need to be. We need uh, we need each other's encouragement. We need each other's uh, fellowship. At the same time, we're trying to be as safe as we can and and uh, watch. Uh, the as the restrictions are slowly being uh, lifted, we're trying to observe those things and listen to uh, the uh, Center for Disease Control. Listen to our government. We're trying to do all of those things. We're really trying to do it the right way, and uh, knowing exactly what the right way is uh, is a little bit of a struggle. And so we're uh, we're working with that and trying to do our best. And I can I can tell you that uh, we, we want to get back to normal just as soon uh, as we can. We want to make sure we do it safely. Thank you for being here this morning. In the past few years, Christians have been, have been criticized for their beliefs and for the stands that, that they take, uh, the, their morals, their way of life, for standing for biblical principles. We, we really should be praised for those things. But, but instead, some folks say that that makes us look backward. It makes us look uh, narrow-minded, even, even ignorant, because we will not go along with things that we know are contrary to God's Word. Now, I won't say that we are perfect because we are not. I won't say that there are, are no problems uh, in the Lord's church. We've got problems just like any other group does. But this morning, I want to talk about some things that we are doing the right way. And we know that they are the right way because they are what we see in the Bible. I cannot speak for every religious group uh, in, in this country but I know what we're doing at Bethel. And I know that it is the right way. In the Lord's church at Bethel, we teach and we believe that Jesus Christ is the builder of the church and that He is the head of the church, the only head. None of us ever has been, nor shall we ever be the head of the church. That position is reserved for Jesus Christ and no one else. And we know that here. In Matthew chapter 16, and this starts about verse 13, Matthew tells us that Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, and He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And their answer was, some people say you are John the Baptist. Some people say that you are Elijah. Some people say that you're Jeremiah, or at least one of the prophets. And so Jesus asked them, well, who do you say I am? And Peter's answer was, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, 
and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. That's the reason that we wear the name. It's the reason we have the name on our sign out there. Jesus said, it's my church, it belongs to him. No man planned the church. No man went to the cross for the church. No man built the church. Jesus did. And it belongs to him. Now, each congregation has its own leaders. And, and we have elders and we have deacons here at Bethel. And we know that is the biblical way. If you have men who meet the qualifications for those positions, and that's absolutely necessary, they have to meet those qualifications. And if they do, that is what we see in the New Testament. If you look at, at Paul's first missionary trip, as he made his way back home. Acts 14 and verse 23 tells us that he went back through those cities and appointed elders in those congregations. He wrote letters to Timothy at Ephesus and to Titus on Crete and told them to appoint elders and gave them the qualifications for those elders. Now the elders have the responsibility of leading their congregations based on a thus saith the Lord. Nothing else will do. Elders cannot lay aside uh, God's word and do whatever they want to. In fact, they are warned not to lord over their congregation. They shepherd the flock. By following God's word. What we see in the New Testament. If they do it any other way, they are doing it the wrong way. Let me show you a couple of passages. In Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1. This is verse 22. And he put all things under his feet. He means God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now look with me at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 and verse 16. For by him, talking about Jesus again, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the pre eminence. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. The only head. We know that and we believe that here at our congregation and we know that it's the right way. Here at our congregation we have no, no religious authority except for what we see in the Bible. 
We do not have a, a governing body that sends us directives. This is what you will, will teach and preach and practice from here on. We, we don't do that. We don't have a, a, a convention each year where the delegates meet to, to vote on uh, church policy. We know what we're going to preach and teach and practice. And that is what we see in the last will and testament of Jesus Christ, the New Testament. Now, there are lessons that we can learn from the Old Testament. There are examples that we can look at. Some of those examples are really good examples. Some of them are not so good. And, and we can learn some things from looking at those things. But our God, in our day, under the new covenant, is the New Testament. It teaches us what we need to do in order to make it to heaven. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3, and this is verses 16 and 17. Paul wrote there that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, he says, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Scriptures are our guide to heaven. They are, they are our road map. They, they show us the way to heaven. And, and Paul told Timothy there that, that we are thoroughly equipped. Everything that we need to make it to heaven is in the Bible. And so we don't need a church manual. We don't need a creed book. We don't need a board of directors. Jesus is governing the church even until this day by what he says in his last will and testament, the inspired word of God. At our congregation, we know that Jesus is the head of the church. We know that we go by the word that he gives us in the New Testament no more and no less. We cannot leave anything out nor go any further. And we know that here at our congregation. And we know that that is the right way. Here at Bethel, we are just Christians. By that I mean we we don't use any other names or, or any other labels to, to identify ourselves. We are, we are just Christians. In Acts 11 and verse 26, we're told that the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4 and verse 16 that if, if any man suffer as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. In, in the first century, in the beginning, the, the church is, is still new. In those days, those who obeyed the gospel became members of the church, were just Christians. In, in our day, in, in 2020, can we not be 
just Christians, <laughs> like they did in the early days. And in a day when many people see themselves as enlightened, <laughs> that's a good word, people, people believe that they are enlightened and, and too smart, too intelligent, too educated for the Bible. We continue, it's, it doesn't make you real popular, but we continue to teach that those who disregard God's Word and who, who scoff at the Bible, they will lose their soul. We, we don't hate anybody. We're not mad at anybody. We're trying to help them stay out of a devil's hell. That, that's the only reason that we teach these things. Ephesians 4 and verse 15 tells us to preach the truth in love. And that's what we're trying to do. That is our only motivation. We're just trying to help people go to heaven. That's the only thing that motivates us to teach those things. We're trying to help people spend eternity in heaven. And folks, the Bible does teach us adultery and fornication is a sin. It's very, very common in our day. The Bible tells us it is a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. Lying is a sin. It is widely practiced by a large portion of our society. The Bible says it is a sin. And yes, not politically correct, but the LGBTQ lifestyle is a sin. These are not our own personal opinions. We're not making this up as we go. We see it in the Bible. Let me take a few moments now and, and show you from the Scriptures. Look at Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1. Let's start reading at verse 26. This is, this is one of the ugliest passages in the Bible. And this is what it tells us. For this reason... God gave them up to vile passions. Even the women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. We know what that's talking about, don't we? And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, man, we're too enlightened, we're too smart for this. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. It gets worse, folks. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, strife, deceit, Evil-mindedness, they are whisperers and backbiters, 
haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, and disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, and unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. I didn't write this, the Apostle Paul did. Not only do the same, do the same but also approve of those who practice them. I'm not done here. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's look at verses, verses 9 and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. We're we're not making this stuff up. We're we're reading it directly out of God's Word. Let's let's look at one more. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions and heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you before, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is about as clear as it can possibly be. We're not offering our personal opinions on these things. We're reading them from God's Word. And we, don't, we don't teach these things because we're mad at people or because we hate anybody. We teach these things because we know that people who practice these things are going to lose their soul. We, we would like to prevent that from happening. Hate has nothing to do with it. In fact, it's just the opposite of hate. We're trying to help folks change their lives so they can go to heaven. That is our only motivation. That doesn't make you real popular. Uh, in our day. In fact, uh, if folks heard the things that we, that I just said, they would label me as a hate monger. Even so, we know it is the right way. And we're still teaching those things at Bethel. And there is something else that we are doing right and that is teaching the plan of salvation and what it takes to become a Christian and go to heaven. If you would become a Christian, a member of the Lord's church, you must be willing to repent of your sins. And that is, that is just basically 
a change. You study your Bible, maybe you hear a sermon, and you realize and you understand that your life has not been according to the things that you see in God's Word. And you decide to change your life. Remember that the prodigal son was in such terrible shape that he was, he was ready to eat with the pigs. But Jesus tells us that he came to himself. That's what happens when, when we decide to repent of our sins. We come to ourselves. I'm not doing this the right way. And we decide to change our life. The prodigal son got up out of the hog pen and went to his father. In, in a nutshell, that's what repentance is. We decide to change our lives. We must be willing to confess our faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And Jesus tells us very plainly in Matthew 10 and verse 32, Whosoever will confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father in heaven. And we must be immersed in the waters of baptism for the remission of our sins. The, to me, the, the, the best example that we can, can look at is in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Peter delivers that very first gospel sermon. And at the conclusion of his message, his audience asks a direct question. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter just answered in verse 38. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And we are still preaching and teaching that at our congregation. Revelation 2 and verse 10 tells us to be faithful till death and we'll receive a crown of life. Obeying the gospel is not the finish line, it's the start line. It is the beginning of our Christian life. We must continue to be faithful if we want to go to heaven. This morning, if you have never become a Christian, perhaps through the study of these things, you, you have seen, you've, you've come to yourself, and you've seen the importance of being obedient to God's Word. If you would become a Christian, you must be willing to repent of your sins. You must be willing to confess your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, to be immersed in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins. We, we'll help you. We'll help you get that done. Perhaps you have not been as faithful as you should have been. and You know that now. You can fix that by repenting of those things that, that caused you to stray. Yeah, just like the prodigal son. You're going to get out of the hog pen now. And you're going to go back to the Father. Ask for the prayers of those that are faithful. Be restored. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation this morning, please let it be known while we stand and sing.